Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today we're going to cover Numbers 25 and 26, Psalm 74, and John 6. But we're going to do things a little bit backwards this time. We're actually going to start with the New Testament. We're going to start with John 6 because it's such a powerful chapter. And yeah, I just want to get into this part so quickly because it's so beautiful, so so amazing. Um, this is when Jesus is going around, he's speaking, and he's at the Sea of Galilee, and there's all these people, and he's, it's coming, um, you know, it's getting late, and they need to send the people away, but he says, no, no, go ahead, bring the great big crowds and feed them, and, and they're saying, well, we don't have any food to feed them. He says, well, what do we have? Well, there's a boy here who has five five loaves of bread and two fish. Okay, well, sit them all down and let them know that there's going to be food. So you know the story where uh, Jesus turned, you know, he multiplies all that food and he's able to feed the people. Not only that, but he has leftovers. It's amazing. Well, the people saw this amazing miracle and they said, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus knew what they were thinking, what was going to happen. And I'm sure people were whispering amongst each other, each other that they wanted to turn, make Jesus the king an earthly king, right? Well, Jesus knew this. So he snuck away to the mountains to be by himself. So can you imagine the disciples were following Jesus? You want to follow the winner, right? You want to follow the king. You want to be on the champion side. They believe he's the king, but they don't totally know. There's not a lot of certainty. I mean, he's doing miracles, but there's still this still new, right? So now the the crowds are starting to gather and the crowds are starting to believe they want to make him king. And then he sneaks away. That must have been extremely disappointing to the disciples. So, um, so then the disciples leave in a boat and then Jesus goes and walk. They're about three or four, four miles out. Jesus walks on the water to the boat. They're startled. They see, and Jesus says, um, what does he say? For it is I, do not be afraid. So then they realized it was him and then they let him in the boat. So you might go, okay, well, that was uneventful. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? And he did it right after he snuck away when the crowds wanted to make him king, right? I believe that he did this to kind of reinforce the disciples' doubt. He probably knew that they were disappointed that he didn't want to become king. And it was a way of showing them, no, I really am who I say I am. Okay, so that happened. The people go out searching for Jesus because they realize Jesus is not among them anymore. And this is where it starts to get very interesting. Um, so when they found him on the other side, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus is preparing for what, what he's about to tell them. So he's saying, don't be just satisfied with the bread that spoils, because you must eat the bread of life. Of course they were confused. They're like, what? Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So what do we got to do? What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, 
The works of God is this. Drum roll, please. To believe in the one who has sent, who he has sent. Believe in the one he has sent. So they asked, well, what sign then will you give that, that we may see it and, and believe it? Oh, and believe you. What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who gives, who's giving you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Which is interesting. I never thought that the people of Israel doubted that the manna coming from heaven was from God. So that's interesting. So maybe some of the people, the Israelites, did believe that Moses was making the bread come down. I never thought that. But Jesus is saying here, um, you thought the bread came from Moses. Oh, no, no, no. The bread... The bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Still, they're confused. Like, wait, what? Okay. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They don't totally understand, but they're saying, okay, that's what we want. Yes, yes. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Here's where it gets a little crazy. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Can you imagine? Can you imagine hearing this? You would have doubt yourself, certainly. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven. Uh Uh-oh, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that that I shall lose none of all those who he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Huh? For my father will, my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. I love how he repeats. It's like, let me explain it to you again. So he's preparing about what he's about to tell them. Of course they have puzzled. They're just like, yeah, sure. But they don't totally understand. Okay course not and that's why god jesus is kind of being gentle being gentle but he's going to give it to him strong um so at this the jews there began to grumble among themselves and he said about him because he said i am the bread that came down from heaven they said is this not jesus the son of joseph whose father the and mother we know how can he now say, I came down from heaven. Okay, this is why I'm going in detail. I, I know this is going to be long, but I'm going to go in detail because it's so important. We tend to pick and choose Bible verses. Not very wise. You need context because we, we tend to have opinions of how the people reacted. It's important to see the evolution of their thought process, their doubts, their miracles, how they believed, where they came from. So important. And Jesus told them, stop grumbling amongst yourself. Jesus answered, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will be taught by God. Everyone who has bread, no, who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one 
has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Okay, he's talking a little bit of riddles there. It's like, what? Okay, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Oh, shoot. Okay, this is where they're going to be like, what? Okay, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Oh, dear. Oh, it's like, I bet the disciples are thinking, Jesus, please don't say this. You're making, you're going to make us look like a fool. But he continues, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Oh, here we go. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. We know what that means now because we have context. But they didn't. Jesus hadn't died yet. So they didn't understand what is he talking about. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh, oh gosh, can you imagine? Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood is eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me, oh gosh, will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on me, this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Oh my goodness. Okay, you have to have context. Yes, you can read this, and it's so beautiful, and we say it all the time. Um, You know, this is such classic scripture. But not to them. This is a man, Jesus, doing miracles, yes, still a man in flesh, It must have rocked their world. And he knew that. He knew that was going to happen. But Jesus knows the beginning from the, the, he knows the whole, everything that's going to happen, right? Well, guess what? The disciples didn't totally understand. And so some of the disciples left him. Not the 12, but did you know there were more disciples? Yep. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is hard to hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware of this, the disciples were grumbling amongst themselves. And they and um, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray them. him. He went on to say, This is why I told you, that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. We rarely talk about that, but it is true. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve, And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, 
Have I not chosen you from the the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. Oh, goodness gracious. They must have been like, what? Oh, goodness. Wasn't that such a powerful, powerful, powerful chapter? And I I read so much of it because you just had to hear the pieces. Don't 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 glide over some things. And this is not to be glided over. Okay? And it's important that we understand the context of where the people were coming from. Okay? So this is history and prophecy and revelation and truth and just beautifully orchestrated the way Jesus told them pieces and pieces. So elegant. Um, yeah, so, okay, so now we're going to go backwards and we're going to um, read Psalm 74 and 25 and 26 of Numbers. Psalms 74, still written by As- Asaph, and he's the director of music. And I believe that this time period of this Psalms is written after um, the Babylon was conquered. So there were a lot of prophets that weren't around anymore, and the people were lonely and desperate and feeling like God wasn't listening to them. And um, so here he's expressing, oh God, why have you rejected us forever? Why does your anger smolder against the sheep of your pasture? Remember the nations you purchased long ago. So it's like a, he's reminding, remember this, remember this, remember all these great miracles you did? Um, you know, um, remember all the signs that you gave us and, and how long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the Will the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand, take it from the folds of the garment and destroy them? But God is my king from long ago. He brings salvation on the earth. So you see the desperation in the writing. And here we had, in in John 6, we're talking Jesus. In John 6, you know, it's like the people think that Jesus is finally, God's going to just be the king. And, you know, they, these people have been waiting for so long, desperate for this great victory. So as you can see, in, in, um, and here we are in Psalms, for example, just showing that people are just wanting God to show up. And, and so they're desperately crying out to God here, rise up, O God, and defend your cause. Remember how fools mock you all day long. Do not ignore the clamor of your adversaries the uproar of your enemies, which rises continually. So there's such a desperate cry. It's really showing the heart of the people during that time on the, on, on chapter 74 of Psalms. And um, I don't know, I just think it's interesting because in John 6, you know, you have these crowds that are following Jesus. And yes, it was several years later, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of years later when Jesus appeared, onto the scene, but it, but when we're reading Psalms, we're still seeing the heart of the people, the hunger for God to show up. And so when they think that God finally showed up, or when they think that a king finally showed up, you can kind of understand um, their thoughts and their feelings, or, or even, the, even the, the, the Jewish leaders of why they're following scripture so hard, you know? So um, I'm just kind of illustrating where the heart of the people is really at or or why they do what they do, why history is unfolding the way it is. Um, it, that's why it's important that you read the whole Bible and get context. Okay, let's move on to... It's so weird. It feels very weird to go backwards, but here we are. We're going to go to Numbers 25 and 26. 
And here is why I wanted to also go backwards. Not because, not only because John 6 was so amazing and it deserved to be first, but because, just listen to this, and I'm just, it's just dreadful. Chapter 25 of Numbers. While Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with the Moabite women who invited them to the sacrifices of their gods. The people ate the sacrificial meal and bowed down before these gods. So Israel yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. Israel yoked themselves to the Baal, to the Baal of Peor, the false god of Peor. And the Lord's anger burned against them. See, can you imagine if I had done that first? It would have been like dreadful. And then I would have had to shift into, and here's all the great things Jesus is doing. So now you can hear this dreadful story. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of these people, kill them and expose them in broad daylight and before the Lord so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the, okay, so each of you must pay, put to death those of your people who have yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor. And the Israelite men, okay, so here, so then, then an Israelite man brought a Midianite woman into the camp right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent meeting. When, okay, when, okay, it's P-H-I-N-E-H-A-S, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this. He left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelites into the tent. He drove the spear into both of them, right through the Israelite men and into the woman's stomach. Then the plague against the Israelites was stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. We might say, well, what plague? Well, clearly there was a plague. So what is a plague? A plague is a, a sneaky disease that just starts to go, it's invisible, and it goes from person to person, and it makes people sick, and they die. So there was a plague. Where did the plague come from? This evil sin. And so when um, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, killed the man and the Midianite woman, the plague was stopped. Okay? So the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites, since he was zealous for my honor. God wants us to be zealous for his honor. Among them as I am, I did not put an end to them in my zeal. Therefore tell, them, tell him, I am making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will be will have a covenant of lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. So one, that means a person can stand up for God's honor and make atonement for the people by fighting by making the wrong right. And number two, it's so funny how in this day and age, standing up for God in God's honor is kind of like laughed at or poo-pooed or mocked. You know, like if somebody swears and uses God's name in vain and you were to say, hey, 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 don't swear like that. Oh my gosh, what are you, fuddy-duddy? They didn't, they didn't mean anything. It was a joke. No, 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 no. 
stand up for God's honor. You can make jokes without, you know, using God's name, right? So I thought that's interesting. So God recognized the man who stood up for his honor, zealous for my honor. Okay. So yes, we are not to be legalistic about it. Like some people are so legalistic, like a church, like you can't wear certain clothes in this church because it's dishonored to God. God didn't say that, but he did say, don't use my name in vain. He did say, don't worship any other gods. So keep it simple, guys. You know, follow the Ten Commandments. Keep it simple. Um, and then just have a, a zealousness for God's honor. So then the name... Um, okay, so it goes into the... The Lord said to Moses, treat the Midianites as enemies. So the Midianites had evil in them, and they were to be treated as enemies and be killed. Because the plague came as a result of their evil. That was a very wretched story and very heavy. So luckily, chapter 26, I don't need to go into it because it's basically God tells Moses and Aaron to do a census, to count all the people um, that were there, over 20, and how to divvy up land. And we're going to go into more about how to divvy up land. But basically, he's taking a census so that he can divvy up land um, but all the people that he's counting, they're not going to enter the promised land. God's already said that. And the only two people that are going to enter, that are there presently, that are going to enter into the promised land are Caleb and Joshua. Remember that. Not even Aaron, not even Moses. Well, Aaron already died, but not even Moses. It's just going to be Caleb and Joshua. So there you go. That was Numbers 25 and 26, Psalm 74, and John 6. My backwards interpretation, rendition, I didn't feel comfortable doing it this way. I like going forward, old, you know, Old Testament. It's just a thing. But we did it backwards, and you can understand the reason. I liked it that way simply because of the way it was developed. <laughs> I don't know why I'm even talking about this, but... Hey, here we go. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that. Numbers 25, 26, Psalms 74, and John 6.